What is a woman's role in the church? What are women's role in the church? This is a topic of debate that has been for many centuries within the church. I recently received a message from another pastor in Liverpool, not too far away from here, and he texted me and he said um, that there was a couple in their congregation who um, had become a little bit unhappy with some of their theology in their church. Um, their church was quite a complementarian church. That's a long word. And, and that word means that in complementarian churches, there's a big distinction between what men do and what women do in churches. Generally speaking, in complementarian churches, it's men's responsibility to lead, men's responsibility to preach. Women mostly will look after children, um, and that is the, the way that, that complementarian churches work. And he asked me, he said, what are my thoughts? Because this couple had started to challenge some of these ideas and they were potentially looking for another church. And he said, well, what are your thoughts on this? What is the Salvation Army's perspective on this? Today, we're going to be focusing on scripture, this witness that we just heard from Joan around the women around the cross. Scripture as a, a witness to the, the word of God that is Jesus Christ. But it is, what I'm going to be sharing is an extended response to that question that, that my friend, pastor friend asked me. A little bit of a spoiler at the start. We affirm women's ministry in the Salvation Army. We affirm women's role within this church. And if you're a woman here today, I want you to, to hear that right at the start. But I... It might be weird that a man is standing up and saying this. Perhaps it should be a woman standing up and saying this today. But actually, I think it is important also for men to affirm this within the life of the church, within an egalitarian church. That's what we are. That's the opposite of complementarian. To say that women are important and women are equal to men within this church. So, in this series, we have looked at Simon of Cyrene, Lynn preached on that two weeks ago, she did a great job of that. Last week I spoke about the crowd, and now we're speaking about the women around the, the cross. This passage is just two verses long, not a long time, not a long passage. And it comes towards the end of Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, only of 16. And we've already been through um, Jesus having the Last Supper. He's been betrayed by uh, his friends. He's been beaten. He's been mocked, as we saw on that little video earlier on. He's now hanging on the cross. For Mark, he emphasises that everyone else has abandoned Jesus. Everyone has abandoned Jesus. And we meet these three women in these two verses. Let's have a look quickly about who they are. Mary Magdalene. This is the lady who was cured of seven demons earlier on in the gospel. Uh, possibly the woman who poured perfume on Jesus' feet. We're not quite sure uh, about that. The fact that she has seven demons cast out from her probably means she was an outcast. She wasn't someone of reputation, perhaps. Um, and 
there's no mention of a husband around her at all. And she was one of Jesus' closest followers. We have Mary, the mother of James and Joses. And it's probable that this is Jesus' mother as well. In chapter 6, verse 3, uh, we hear the people say, Isn't this the carpenter? This is of Jesus. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us as well? It's not said exactly, but this is probably uh, Jesus' mother. Salome. We don't know much about Salome. There is another Salome in the New Testament. Does anyone know who she was? Anyone remember? She was the what? Herod's daughter, actually. Yes, Herod's daughter, the one who, who asked for the, the head of John the Baptist um, when she, she danced. And she said, can I have the head of John the Baptist? That's not the same one. Uh, but Salome, we don't know much about Salome, but she is here. And the first point I want to make is that in Mark's Gospel, at least, he makes a really big deal to emphasise that the three women are here and are present at the cross. And they're contrasted. Throughout Mark's Gospel, you have three men who are followers and close followers of Jesus. You have the twelve disciples, but you have three in particular who are really close. And they are Peter, James and John. Peter, James and John. These are the ones who follow Jesus up to the, the, the Mount of Transfiguration. These are the ones who um, Jesus takes on him in the very special journeys when he goes on. And for Mark, there's a real contrast here between the three men who have at various times in this story left Jesus, especially Peter as well. We know Peter especially, um, the very famous story that you know, Jesus said, uh, you will abandon me after the cock crows three times. Peter has left Jesus. But these three women are still here. When the tough get going, the song says, the, 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 when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Sorry, I missed that one. And for Mark, it is the women who embody this in Mark's gospel. These are short verses, but it's important. These women, what are they described as? We looked at it before, sorry, going down here. These are the women who used to follow him and provided for him when they were in Galilee. And this is a particular Greek word when they provided for him. Diakunon. Diakunon. Can you say that? Diakunon. <laughs> this is a particular word, and it's an important word throughout the Gospel of Mark. And he links it to leadership. He links it to leadership. For Mark, leadership is not about a strong person who is forcing their will upon others and a, a big, impressive leader right at the start and someone that everyone gets behind and, you know, a kind of the standard model of leadership you see within our world. But leadership is about this word, diakunon. It's about service or providing for others. And it's often the men in Mark's gospel who are the ones who want this, this first picture of leadership, this power and authority. So if you look in Mark chapter 10, James and John, those two people, these two, two out of the three that I mentioned before, James and John come to Jesus, these close disciples, and they say, let us be among uh, to your right and your left in heaven when you're in glory. And Jesus, what does he respond? 
He said, it's, this should not be the case among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you must become your servant. And your servant is this word, diakunon. For Jesus, leadership is about service. It is about self-sacrifice. It is not about being the main person, being the, the strong leader that everyone necessarily follows. You are only a good leader if you serve. And what John uh, Mark is saying in this point, the women are the ones around the cross. They're the ones who provided for him. They are the ones who served Jesus. Women in Mark's gospel almost always appear without their husbands, which would have been culturally scandalous back then. Women are able to come to church without their husbands now. I'm pleased about that. If they, they want to. But even a hundred years ago, that would have been very uncommon, even within our society. So Mark's Gospel gives this radically new perspective on women. And the point that Mark is trying to say, the point that I'm trying to bring out today, hopefully in accordance with Mark, is not to say that all men are terrible. <laughs> men are not te- all terrible. And I hope you would agree with that. I hope most women in the church would agree with that. Not every single man is a terrible person and that we can do without them. Or it's not to say that every single woman in the world is faithful and a good person and every man is unfaithful. There is a strain within our society, isn't there? Some of the radical aspects perhaps of the left wing reality that actually kind of goes there and says, well, men are just useless. Everything they do is, is dreadful and we can kind of do without them. And we want to suppress men. Men may have been dominant throughout history, so now it's time for them to shut up and allow women and um, other groups to come up and, and um, have prominence. It's not, I don't think, what Mark is saying. And it's also dangerous to kind of go there. Because often when you have that kind of emphasis within society, what happens, you get reactionary groups coming. And you see that a lot of the time with... Um, kind of groups on the far right, perhaps. That's exactly what happened in Nazi Germany, I was saying last, last week, where men will kind of say, well, you know, if, if that's what people think of us, well, we're just going to kind of take that power back and we're not going to, to work together to build a fairer society. Also not saying that there is no difference between men and women. Again, big debates in our society. There's a lot of confused, I think, and mixed messages going on. But what Mark is doing is he wants to challenge the social orthodoxy of his time. This was a deeply, deeply patriarchal society when Mark was writing within the Holy Land, within Jewish culture. And Mark is writing into that and saying that women have worth. Women are created by God and they have value. And that's what Mark is trying to do here. He's not just saying every man is rubbish, but women have value, women have worth. And he's also trying to encourage accountability of leaders. Mark's not saying that only women should be leaders within the church. Peter, James and John, these three men, they actually were leaders within the early church. But it's interesting that Mark is kind of saying, he's emphasising often throughout the Gospels, it's the men who muck up most of the time. Peter especially, we know, spoke to Mark about his gospel and basically told him all the stories of when he mucked up. 
So Mark's kind of saying these, these people aren't perfect, these men, and they mucked up. So your leaders, and it's the same for me. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm very aware I'm not perfect. Speak to Jenny. I'm not perfect. Believe me. <laughs> I like this guy, Ched Myers. He's a, a kind of theologian. He did a great um, commentary on the book of Mark. And he said this about these verses. He said, this is the last and given the highly structured gender roles of the time, surely the most radical example of Mark's narrative subversion of the canons of social orthodoxy. The world is being overturned in this person of Jesus, from the highest political power to the deepest cultural patterns. And it begins with this new community. It will be the women, the last to become first, who will be entrusted with the resurrection message. And of course, if we read into the next chapter in Mark chapter 16, it is the women who come and proclaim the message of the resurrection. If I often say, if you don't believe in women preachers, what do you do with, with that fact? That the women, were the, they preached the first sermon on the risen Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at that in the coming weeks. And listen, brothers and sisters, I'm under no illusion. I am the I suppose the commanding officer within this church, within the Salvation Army, you you have different officers. Mark is an officer in this church. Jenny is an officer. I am, I suppose, the the, the officer with the the most responsibility, perhaps. Let's put it that way. And I'm a man. I'm a man. (laughs) Thanks, Jerry. That's right. Do not put me on a pedestal. I'm sure you probably don't already. There's maybe people thinking, I don't put him on a pedestal, he's a bit rubbish. That's, that's fine, that's okay, that's all right. But too many leaders in the church around the world have been put on pedestals, haven't they? And I'm not perfect. I am not um, the most amazing leader that's ever come. You probably already don't think that, but I'm just saying that again for you today. I am not perfect. And my response, going back to the original pastor who got in touch with me, sent me this text, he said, what what do you think? Would this couple be okay in your church? And my response to him was this, yes. We are an egalitarian church. We honour women. We are in contrast to complementarian churches. Complementarian churches take some parts of scripture, and I believe out of context, and they say, well, it says in certain bits that only men are allowed to preach. Well, only men are allowed to be on the leadership team. Go outside, look on our board outside. We have women who are on our <coughs> leadership team. We have women who preach. We don't have enough. We have Lynette, uh, Lynn, who is part of our leadership, our preaching team. We have Lynette, who preaches occasionally, but we don't have enough. And I would like to see more. If you're a woman in this congregation, maybe you don't have the confidence at the moment, but he would like to preach. I'm very happy, and Mark as well, happy to work with you, to encourage you to to share God's message. We need more women. It's also part of our (coughs) DNA as part of the Salvation Army. Now, I'm conscious that one or two have been in the Salvation Army for for decades, most of your life, maybe. But for others, you've, you've ended up here because you know a friend or someone's invited you, and you're not maybe a Salvationist by background, but this is part of our DNA in the Salvation Army. Who, were the, who was the founder of the Salvation Army? William, Catherine and William Booth, that's right. Often we say William Booth was the founder, but actually it was both together. 
In fact, William was the figurehead. Catherine, they often say, was the brains behind it. She was the one who really was the, the thinker. And a lot of the kind of intellectual power of the Salvation Army came through Catherine. They were initially in the Methodist Church, but uh, she wasn't allowed to preach within the Methodist Church. And she wrestled with Scripture, and she came to the conclusion that women are able to lead. And according to Catherine, actually this reality was true within the early church. When you read the, the, the you know, passages like our one today and other passages within the New Testament, you have prominent women like Lydia and Junia, like my daughter, and Phoebe and many more. And it was actually the human traditions as the church you know, got away from that first generation that started to suppress women's voices. What does she say, Catherine? She says this, then... When the true light shines and God's word takes the place of man's traditions, the doctor of divinity who shall teach that Paul commands women to be silent when God's spirit urges her to speak will be regarded much the same as we should now regard an astronomer who should teach that the sun is the earth's satellite. So she's kind of saying that for many years everyone thought that the, the, the sun moved around the earth but actually we know now that the sun, we go around the sun in the same way. Often people who thought that you know, only men can preach, they'll, they'll be, you know, it's like that um, we'll get a new light on the subject as well. She continues, now, if the word of God forbids female ministry, we would ask how it happens that so many of the devoted handmaidens of the Lord have felt themselves constrained by the Holy Ghost to exercise it. Surely there must be some mistake somewhere, for the word and spirit cannot contradict each other. Either the word does not condemn women preaching, or these confessedly holy women have been deceived. I'm pleased and proud to say that within the Salvation Army's history, there have been women who have had their, the top role, the top job. There have been three. Anyone know their names? First one. Joan, do you remember? Evangeline Boo, William and Catherine's daughter. Eva Burroughs. That's right. And Mark, who was that? Linda, Linda Bond, that's right. You've been to the big meetings. There you go. Not quite. Sure. So these three women have been the general of the Salvation Army. They have been the top role within the Salvation Army. I'm proud that, you know, while in the Catholic Church or the Church of England you still have these debates ongoing and there hasn't been an Archbishop of Canterbury who's been a woman, within the Salvation Army there have been women who have led. Now, we're not perfect. There have been 21 generals in the Salvation Army and there have only been three women. So it's not perfect. And actually, none of these women uh, have been married and often women within the Salvation Army, women who have been married, have been saying that there is an issue there, that some of, of them have been overlooked. So there is a long way to go. I'm not saying the Salvation Army is perfect. But you find yourself sitting here today, for whatever reason, in the Salvation Army Church. And I want you to hear today that women, we want to honour women. That women are um, part of our tradition to lead. We want to affirm women's leadership. And we're not doing this because it is the culturally appropriate thing to do within our society. Okay? I want you to hear that. Or the progressive thing to do 
We believe that it is scriptural within the Salvation Army. Catherine Booth wrestled with scripture and said, like we had today in Mark's Gospel, women were the faithful ones. They stood there when the men had left. They were the ones who were at the tomb side. And they preached the first sermon on, women, on the resurrection of Jesus. This is not to beat up men. If you're a man in the congregation, I'm a man. It's not to beat you up. Of course, we want men. We want good men and women of God to be raised up and to lead. What we're saying today is that it's simply perhaps, from Mark's perspective, more generally, men are the ones to fall prey to these temptations of power that Mark and the revolution of the kingdom of God is trying to say that leadership is not about asserting your own will and being a strong person, but it is about service and love. Finally, it is about keeping leaders accountable. Keep me accountable. I'm not a perfect leader. If I do something that you disagree with, come and speak to me. If I do something and say, well, that's not in the, the spirit of service, and leader, uh, you know, service, that diakunon that I was talking about earlier, speak to me about that as well. I'm going to finish with a little video uh, from the Salvation Army's New Zealand uh, and Fiji and Tonga territory. This was made a few years ago. Just linking in to some of these uh, things that I've been saying today about the importance of the role of women. These women who are around the cross and throughout the centuries, women uh, who God has raised up to serve and lead within the church. So let's just watch this. 